Welcome to Data and Construction. I'm Hugh Seaton. Today I'm here with Kaylee Wetzig, Cloud Community Marketing Manager at TigerGraph. Kaylee, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Hugh. I'm so excited to be on it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So as someone who works with the community a lot, I, I wanted to ask you to start from the beginning and talk about what a graph is. What do we mean when we use that word? I think that's a great question. I Yeah, definitely want to clarify which type of graph we're going to be discussing. As you know, there are many types of graphs, bar charts, pie charts, and more. But in this case, the graph I'm talking about is a more complex and robust table. And that just kind of is a very basic explanation of it. But a brief example is maybe you have a dog and you can connect that dog to a house. You can connect that house to a neighborhood. You can connect that neighborhood to a city. You can connect that city to another community. You can connect that community to a different person, that different person to a different dog. And then the dogs can be connected together because they went to the same dog park. And then from all that information and data, maybe millions of neighborhoods, millions of cities, you can show a community detection algorithm that tells you the dog parks that have the most small dogs or big dogs. So a graph is a more elaborate way. It's the way we think. We think in data points and you make connections between them. And another example, Hugh, is you read my article on media. You found mm -hmm. me on LinkedIn. From LinkedIn showed you all the connections we have in common. And another example is Amazon. So, you know, maybe we go to Amazon to buy dog food. Amazon may recommend I buy a dog bowl with the dog food because someone else like me bought a dog bowl with their dog food. So it's the wisdom of crowds. And so then some of the cases that we can do is fraud. And I'll give a brief example of this that may kind of, again, paint the picture of what a graph is in this case. You may be using your credit card to buy carpet at Home Depot in Houston. However, suppose around the same time, someone in Colorado is at Walmart using the same credit card to make a large purchase. In that case, the graph may trigger it as a fraudulent purchase because the link between you and the credit card and the graph recognize that you shouldn't be in both places physically spending at the same time. That makes a lot of sense. And what you're really saying is that the graph isn't like we think of a chart, right? It's, it's more about a network. And you talked about a lot of connections between things. Can you talk a little bit about what those connections are? I mean, they're called an edge sometimes, they're called a relationship, but it's not just one thing, right? Like the relationship is itself something you spend some time thinking about, right? Yes. So, so you can think about all the different data points as a vertex. So in some cases, I think of a vertex as a noun. It's the people, places, things. And then you think about the edges are the relationships between those vertices, the people, places, and things. So in a way, it's almost a verb. And so in Tiger Graph, it's a property graph. So it's a unique kind of platform for analytics and machine learning that works on connected data, what you're talking about. And the connected data is the key thing here. You can think about the information in two parts, what you know about the things, the data points, and what you know about the relationships between those things, the connections. So other analytics platforms can only work on data points and connections, but that's, you know, throwing half the information away. So with Tiger Graph, what makes it so important is when you mentioned those different vertices and edges, you can analyze that and run machine learning on those data points and the connections. And that's what's so 
incredibly powerful and what makes that network have such better results. And, and the benefit too is you can run this on such large real world data sets that you know operates with your other existing systems. And it's, it's the value of what a graph database is. That's kind of the secret sauce of why it's so much more robust than the traditional Excel or relational database. It allows you to find relationships between the relationships between the data and answer questions that you don't even know that you need answered. Do you think when you're talking to people about what we mean by a graph and what we mean by <clears throat> that relationship, that just speaking in a sentence, I love that you said kind of noun, verb, noun. You know what I mean? So Kaylee owns a bag. Kaylee owns a house. You've just done the beginnings of a relationship, right? You just started a graph database by saying, I have my starting point. I have the relationship it has, which again is usually a verb, or at least certainly we can start thinking that way. And then there's the other thing. I really like, because to the point you made earlier, that's how we describe the world anyway, right? John is an engineer. You know, concrete has been poured or concrete, you know, is being poured, something like that. But it speaks to how our brains are already thinking like this, as opposed to trying to keep track of rows and columns in a normal tabular database. Does that work for, for a lot of conversations where you say to people, look, this is, you can start thinking of this like a sentence and then we'll go from there. Yes. And, you know, I was coming to this in a way in, into Tiger Graph without realizing that I've been using a graph without, yeah. you know, under all these different systems that I've been using. And I think once you recognize that it's pulling, it's, it's pulling information from all different sources. And when you think about it as kind of that brain concept where you may walk into a room, you may assess all the different things that are in there, the relationship between them, you know, in a house, you walk into a house, you see there's a refrigerator, a refrigerator came from Sears. You look at the stove, it came from Sears too. You look around and see the chairs that are going to be there. Where did they come from? How did they get there? How much did they all cost? It is just like the way we think. And I once I think once we break that down, I think the concept of what a graph database is makes it much easier to fathom and makes it easier to think about when you're running your spreadsheets that you can find all these different relationships in the same kind of way. Because you assess the information, you process it, and then you draw conclusions. And so by using a graph database, you're allowing the machine to do it itself. Yes, I love that. And one of the things that you hear used when we talk about graphs is meaning and context. And I think that comes down to what you said earlier, where in normal not normal, but past databases, tabular databases and relational databases, you're throwing half the information out. And the information you're throwing out is the context, right? Is, all right, I know this is a data point, but who produced it? Or what does it relate to? Or when was it produced? Sometimes you might know. But, but the point is that the context around data points is lost. And that's the half you were talking about, right? Yes, exactly. And I think that too is what's so important because you may be able to know that you have a, a piece of wood and the wood needs to come to this house or this construction site, but who's going to be bringing it? And you know what else do you know about that person? And you can connect all that information together without having to just continue to look for different tables in your spreadsheets because it does it for you already. It, it pulls that information, which is, again, so much more powerful and allows you to save time and money. And it, it, again, it's just like how we think. Yeah, I love it. 
one of the things that gets talked about is if if you want to use a traditional database to understand something that is two or three relationships away, it starts to become totally undoable because the relationship has to be calculated and you have to figure it out based on lookup tables and it gets to be a real mess. I myself am not an SQL engineer, so there's a limit to how much I can get into what it really means, except to, to say, I hear over and over again that if you want to understand things that are three or four hops away in terms of relationships, it starts to become absolutely undoable in the traditional sense. But that's what graphs like Tiger Graph are made for, right? Is you, like you mentioned before, I, don't, I didn't count the hops, but you talked about a dog. And by the time you got to the, the final question, I, we had at least five or six hops. And your point is that's what it's there for. That's what Tiger Graph does. That's what the graph does, right? Is it can make connections across a lot of those hops because the relationship is part of the data. It's not something that go, gets figured out by the system after when you ask the question. Yes, that's absolutely correct. And again, that's what makes graphs so wonderful, again, even for construction because of the transparency you can see for sustainability. It shows you where everything's coming from. It can help you better analyze and predict costs for electricity because you can see how the building ties to a circuit or a power storage or other elements that will help you naturally get much deeper into the data without having to write. And and the SQL for the relational database, if you did that, you'd have to physically program out table Mm. joins, which is very time consuming and costly. And because you have to spend hours building out those joins to connect them. Whereas in the graph database, you just draw a line from one circle to the other circle. (laughs) So it's much easier to do. And again, yeah, that's the powers, the multiple layers that you can detect things. And that's one of the benefits with Tiger Graph for fraud or anti-money laundering is you can see that maybe there's, and I know that's not construction related, but it shows you that maybe you have the same person connected to an entity using a credit card, paying someone from a different account. And to the first layer, it seems completely normal. But 10 layers down, you see this person's the same person that's paying themselves and or, you know, is fraudulently laundering money somewhere. And those are kind of the power of the deep layer relationships that you can get out of a graph. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, we've been talking about Tiger Graph almost in the third person. Why don't you take a second, tell us a little bit about what Tiger Graph does. Yeah. So Tiger Graph, like I said, it runs on connected data and it allows you to find patterns in the data and make predictions. So some of the things that um, you can think about a graph doing, Tiger Graph doing, is you can put in all the information, you can design a system that will connect various data points that you don't think are maybe relevant. So you have your supply chain process, you have your materials in the supply chain process. You can maybe connect that to things like news events or even predictions that happened during the year. So for instance, if you are planning to build a huge construction project and you're going to need wood from a different country, you can pre-plan what what may happen. You can predict it, think that if there's a delay, you can predict that maybe there's going to be an embargo or some sort of situation. You can tie that to the graph and the schema itself to then forecast and know that this could be a problem. And then thus, you won't have to spend money on the surcharges. Or if you learn that um, 
there's a more efficient way to bring the the products to you through an algorithm we call shortest path, that will help you then be able to save money. So another example of that is if you have multiple construction, if you're getting charged maybe by the mileage of the trucks that are bringing things to you, and you start using Tiger Graph to find a more efficient route for the trucks, what that can do is then predict how much time it'll be. It'll help you then better tell the trucks which supplies to put on them to go to the different locations and warehouses to then be able to save money. So Tiger Graph can be used mostly for supply chain, fraud detection, anti-money laundering, product recommendation. So if you're looking at Wayfair and you're wanting to buy a couch, it'll recommend, oh, maybe you should buy with this couch these pillows because someone else recommended or bought them together too, or you just bought that couch. Maybe now someone like you that bought a couch has purchased a TV. So that means that you may want to purchase a TV. So that's another area. Cybersecurity is a major area Tiger Graph is used for. I've even seen HR instances or financial instances. And so there's so many different areas a graph database can be used. And I think we've just touched the tip of the iceberg because of all, when you think about what a relational database can do and all the things that a relational database can do or an Excel table, those can be also done in graph, but much better. So that's what's so exciting about being at Tiger Graph is knowing that there's limitless opportunities for a graph database and what it can be used to solve. I love it. And I think, you know, taking some of the examples you've just given and applying that to what I know about construction and where we're hearing people find in, find interest in, and value in the idea of a graph is a construction project is a collection of different companies that are running their own schedules, obviously coordinated by the general contractor, but they've got their own internal things to work on and so on. And there are different things happening at different parts of the site at a given time. Design might be changing. There may be some availability or supply chain issues, so on. So things are constantly moving at different parts of a very complex system of systems. So the idea that if something changes, you know, let's say I'm a mechanical contractor and the electrical contractor changes something and we're not directly connected, almost on, often on purpose, but also just that's the way the world works they may have changed something that I wouldn't know about directly because there isn't a connection directly between us. But what a graph can do is say, well, yes, you may be two or three hops away, but we can have an event trigger that says the situation has changed. Let's, let's update what's going on. So you can either go investigate or just be updated. So that idea that, that things that change hops away you know, and at hops, I mean, it's two or three relationships away. Or they're not directly someone you work with, but they work with someone you work with, someone you work with. When something changes over there, it often, it, you know, it, it often will get lost unless you happen to have talked to that person or happen to have been in the right meeting, which, you know, they have a lot of these meetings. So it's not like the world is crashing down, but it is great to know that the earlier people know that sort of a change, the less it's going to have an impact on their cost, their timing, and their ability to plan. So earlier is always better. And I, you know, we're hearing graphs is a great way to solve that because you can automate some of that as opposed to hoping that it comes up in a meeting. Is that the sort of thing that you hear a lot about that that it it'll, it helps disconnected systems to sort of to stay in touch with each other and stay up to date? Yeah, absolutely. That's again one of the benefits of graph is you have so many data silos and 
like you're saying, people that have knowledge and have meetings. And those are basically data that are siloed. And so if you don't, if like you said, if you're not that person that was in the meeting to kind of be that bridge between the two different data silos or different departments or processes or necessary components to get a project done, then it, there's going to be a disconnect. And so Again, that's such a powerful aspect of graph is you can take all the information together and and pull it in. So you can, again, bring in all your suppliers together, all the different contractors that may be working on the construction process, and then also the project managers, the, the different transportation methods of how to get to it. And instead of just kind of leaving it to chance or, you know, allowing that break in one of the processes lead to a ripple effect of multiple other things changing, you can use it to then prevent those things and kind of streamline everything together. Excellent. I got to say, it sounds complicated though. So so how, do, how does somebody go about creating a, a graph? How do, how do you work with in the Tiger Graph system to start? Yeah, so I'm I'm going to try to break this down. I know you're the expert on building homes and the construction process and not just homes but huge multi-billion dollar <laughs> projects. But I I want to break it down as if, you know, you're building a house. And I'm not an expert in how to build a house, but like I I think that by giving a somewhat of an analogy that may help show yeah. it's not as difficult as you may think. Thanks. So, I'm going to tell you how to do it in seven steps. So, if you're an architect, and you're asking your client questions like, what's most important to you? How big do you want your house? Where's the location going to be? You'll write all that information down. So you're basically getting your specs and your requirements. For Tiger Graph, this is similar. You're thinking big picture, like what type of graph do I want to build? Is it going to be to detect fraud, better assess supply chain, prevent cybersecurity threats, or help with construction. So in other words, it's what questions do you want answered? And so if you think about your spreadsheet you're using for your project, imagine what you're doing there with the tables. With all of that, you can take that and turn them into a graph and then run the machine learning algorithms on it. So that's the first step. So let's stop there just one sec. I think that's important because people get a little skittish when you say you have to ask your questions first, because often people will say, well, I don't even know what a graph can do. So I'm not sure what questions to ask. So the fact that you just anchored it on what your source data was for to begin with, I think is really great, right? Is you may not have hundred percent known before you created your schedule or your spreadsheets, what you were using it for, but by the time you've been into it for a while, you do know. And so I think your point is you can at least start with the questions that are being answered by what you do now, by the, by the again, the schedule or the whatever the database is that you're, that you're using. So I think that's great because it overcomes an, an initial block, which is people say, I don't know. I don't know what the thing can do. So I don't know what questions to ask. Yeah. And I think of it, that's a great point. I think of it too, like what are the big goals? So your big goals of your project is to maybe build this house. The big goal is to do it under budget. The big goal is to do it the most efficiently. The big goal is to, and so in the if it's a fraud case, your goal is to eliminate fraud. Your goal is to save money for your company by not spending, you know, excess amount because of the fraud. So taking that information, and, and a lot of times you don't know the questions that you don't know. So that's where by having so much data and being able to then run different algorithms, you're able to answer questions that 
you initially maybe didn't start off to plan, but it still connects to your main goal, which is building the construction project and doing it where it doesn't prevent you from being delayed. It doesn't leave you spending too much. It doesn't leave shortages. It helps to make sure everything's streamlined. So that's a great point. Thank you. And so then for the second one, this is like where the architect draws on the paper what the house is going to look like. So you create the blueprint and this is where you'll take into the count the initial conversations, map out the overall structure of the house, the floors, the rooms and everything. And then you think about the connections between that. In Tiger Graph, this is drawing on a piece of paper, all the elements that will go into the graph. So remember your nouns, your verbs, so your key objects and relationships, what data you're going to use, how it connects together, and then the questions. You'll design the schema. So that's what we call the vertices and edges. And that means that you're drawing the vertices, which are the circle. Think of it like a circle. So in a circle, you may say that this is a person or this is a worker, right? And then again, you draw another connection to that with a circle. And that may be hourly wage, right? And so then you'll make connect it to person has hourly wage or costs hourly wage. And then you'll draw maybe another circle and you'll say type of contractor. So maybe this is a flooring person or this is a concrete person. And you'll connect that to the worker type. So from there, you can then again, make more hops and connections. So you're basically, again, kind of drawing out the overall building framework where it's the shell of the entire project. So that's that's kind of the third step that you'd be connecting it to is or after you do the on paper, you'll then start actually building it out in Tiger Graph. And so it seems difficult, but one of the things we recommend is when you're building it out, if you can work with our solution architects, so you'll bring in an industry expert like Hugh, you'd bring in, you, you're perfect because you're an industry expert and you're also a graph expert. So you kind of can translate both of those languages. But what I recommend is bringing in an industry expert that knows everything about the construction process and then someone that knows a little bit about Python or relational databases or even someone that's that can easily pick up on how do you call, connect this. So once you build out the whole framework of the shell of it, then you start looking at the data that you want to load. And Just to stop for a second there, one of the things that the construction industry is famous for is how much knowledge is in the heads of the people that are on in the field. And it's very hard to, to do anything with that because it's so contextual. It's not like you can sit down and interview somebody and then make notes and then turn it into something. What's great about a graph is it doesn't completely solve that problem, but because you're connecting things to things as opposed to just, you know, unconnected notes, what some of what you're talking about where you, you get an industry expert, that's what people are trying to do in the industry now is sit down with some of these folks and interview them. But what I think graph does is provide a framework to start to capture some of that knowledge. Right. So, so your point about, about interviewing, I think, is particularly relevant in construction, where you might take a superintendent or a, a project manager, take an hour in a whiteboard and say, hey, we'd like your help in thinking about how these things are connected and what are we missing about some relationships that might be less obvious. So I think that's really great. And that process is not foreign. Right, being able to sit down and take a whiteboard and draw a circle and a circle and how are they connected, doesn't take an expert to to figure out. I love also your point that 
whether it's Tiger Graph or someone else, you also can get someone who does know how these things work to guide the process so you don't wind up with 4,000 relationship types. You do want to keep it somewhat organized, but but that's okay. So I really like that that process. And it sounds like something that a contractor could do, right? Is they could get four or five of their of their senior folks, sit them down one at a time probably and start to map this out, then get an expert to then say, great, that's the raw material. We're going to turn that into how we're going to actually work with data. So that's really exciting. That's great. And yeah, you explained it so well. I like how you you brought that in. And it is just like a whiteboard kind of mapping it out, knowing again how the connections are tied and having that expert that's there to be able to kind of guide it. But then also having someone in the room that does have that experience with, you know, a graph or a relational database or, you know, some sort of I guess, technical ability to be able to then say, okay, it looks like these are connected. What types of things can we find out from that and kind of walk you through it? So again, yeah, definitely. So so we talked about kind of mapping out the process with the experts, drawing the connections, and then putting them into Tiger Graph through, you can either do our Graph Studio where you add your own vertex and edge together, or you can program it. And that's where you'll have someone that knows our G-SQL language. So it's like SQL, which is table, but it's graph specific. So so after you have, you built out the architecture, you built out the frame. So in your house, think about it like you did the concrete, you maybe put the wood or you did the wood, then the concrete around it. So you have the shell of your house. Now, maybe what you want to do is start putting in the windows and the appliances because you've already kind of closed it off. So in Tiger Graph, this is where you're going to then upload your data. So like your columns from Excel that you've used. And from there, you have it. So then the next phase of that, if you've built out your house, you put everything in your flooring, your concrete, it's nice. You're maybe going to start decorating it with wallpaper, carpet, and then the other things that you maybe leave towards the end of the process. So in Tiger Graph, this is then loading your data and mapping it to the vertices and edges. So you'll, you'll map the different tables that you've made, which is a CSV file. You'll map that to Tiger Graph's schema. Again, remember the schema is the circles and lines and how they all connect together. So Mm -hmm. that's like filling in the house with your interior decorating. And then the last step is set like in seven, of course, there's multiple steps in the house and maybe Mm -hmm. more in Tiger Graph, but just to paint the picture, the last step is maybe inviting your friends over and getting their feedback or better, like, I guess maybe even thinking of it as how could we have done things better next time? How did we, you know, what can we learn from this situation? And in Tiger Graph, it's building your queries and algorithms and then finding the important information, like which ones will be delayed, which workers are the most productive or reliable, how can we minimize expenses? And then how to forecast for unexpected outcomes. So those types of questions that maybe connect to the overall goals that you've set at the beginning of the project. I think that's great. I think you know your description of step-by-step, step, first you're figuring out what you want and what you're going to use it for, and then you start getting in and understanding and architecting is not a bad analogy here. The other thing that's interesting is this idea of you, know, you talk to one expert and then they pass it on to another who passes it on to another that's that is construction is you know architect well owner then architect then specifier then a series of contractors on through the people that are going to operate the building so really good analogy the other thing i might layer in is you talked about csvs a lot but what often happens is there might be a step before that once you've figured out 
what your relationships are and what what your entities, what the, the those nodes are, <clears throat> are vertices. That you might actually have other systems that are going to go through less structured text. Maybe it's RFIs or maybe it's daily reports or whatever it might be to go and pull those entities out, often using some AI, natural language processing. Do you guys have that on board or is that often part of a process that happens before they come to TigerGraph? Yeah, so you can connect some. So we have a really interesting use case that we've done with John Snow Labs. It's another company where we did natural language understanding. So what we did is we would put the information in, like, and this was during COVID. So we'd have the different texts where it would maybe be Wall Street, stock, COVID. And we'd then connect it with the John Snow Labs product for the natural language understanding. And what it did was it started finding relationships between the words. So it would see that maybe Wall Street, stock and COVID together maybe kind of gathered negative sentiment because it was what happened with COVID during Wall Street and stocks, the stocks went down. So it started taking that information into account. And like you said, with the artificial intelligence, identifying those types of trends. And then from that information, we then could then run different algorithms on it. And I'm not the one that would write it, but there are use cases that we can do it with third party, which is which is a great benefit again of, of graph and tiger graph. So it, it speaks to the fact that people don't have to come to the to Tiger Graph or come to the problem anyway with their information neatly in rows and columns, although that obviously ultimately you do need to get there. But actually you can you can start with the, the documents you do have and use various ELT or ETL, depending on how you want to organize it, processes to to extract from your raw data the kind of structured data you're ultimately going to want to put into a graph like this, which is important because again, right now there's just an enormous amount of documentation in a construction process that can feed into this, but it needs to be done in a way that's as automatable as possible. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. and, and I'd recommend working with our solution architects. They're great. So they really are you know, the experts in helping to know what are your goals, what are your, what types of outcomes do you want? And then again, like any product, there's limitations, but we're continuing to grow and evolve. You know, we really care about customers and their feedback. So, you know, we want to make the product as close as we can to accomplish their goals. Well, Kaylee, this has been really great. I've learned a lot about how to make a graph and how to think about graphs in a really anchored way. So thank you for the analogies and the explanation. I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Well, thank you so much, Hugh. It was such a pleasure. And I feel like there's so many other great things that, you know, Graph and Tiger Graph can do. We didn't even touch the surface of how we help Jaguar and Land Rover save 100 million pounds and take their process from three weeks to 45 minutes. But that's, again, where, you know, you could read all that information on our website. And I know that you're doing incredible things in this industry. So I can't wait to hear about what you're going to be doing next. So I look forward to listening to the rest of your podcast and really am appreciative that you included me. Thanks so much. Thanks.